Welcome to the new episode of Quarter Quest, Comics on the Cheap. Can I ask you a question before we begin? Have you ever wanted to have your own podcast? If so, we'd like to recommend Podbean. We've been using it for the last three years, and we love it. It's easy to use, and the customer support is amazing. Just go to podbean.com and enter the code HAUNTEDLOG at checkout and get your first month of podcasting for free. That's podbean.com, Haunted Log. Now, on to the show. All right, guys. Whatever. Everybody's here. Y'all. Yep. Cool. Welcome, everybody, to the It's Too Wordy comic book podcast, where three buddies talk about comics from their childhood to today. I'm Ryan. I'm Nick. I'm Kirk. And today we are discussing Justice League issue 59 and a really large Blue Beetle book. Uh, Was there a number to that, Nick? That is number one from, I think it's Fox Publishing. So way back in the day, Blue Beetle. All right. Should we uh, start off with uh, Justice League? Yeah, let's do that. Sure. All right. So this is the uh, launch issue of Bendis's run on the Justice League. And it's got the uh, backup feature of Justice League Dark. So, clearly they're not going to be making any more Justice League Dark comics, since they're putting them in backups. And, uh, this is supposed to be a launch of a new team, but, um, yeah. Didn't really, yeah. It's not like they're part, like, a team, right? It's just like the standard Justice Leaguers, you know, they come to Kandak and they find... Black Adam, and he's fighting some giant dude that uh, talks very modern for a, a out of the like out of our dimension demon. He reminded me a little bit of a much larger blue demon type, the yeah. demon that kind of bonded with the blue demon. Um. The art's amazing. I think it's really nice. Yeah. I like the uh, 
wall of shark that Aquaman does. <laughs> I don't usually call in a wall of sharks, but... Yeah. I didn't like that part. That was great. I'm like, what are all the... Oh, Aquaman, that's right, yeah. But, I mean, Aquaman, Superman, Hawkgirl, and Batman show up. So it's the standard league, but they make you think it's going to be more. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like... I don't know. I've always kind of liked Black Adam with how he's always been the... Uh, oh. Like the Stone Cold Steve Austin, where he's such a like bad guy that people like him. Kind he's of the thing. anti-hero. An- thank you, anti-hero. Yes, he's always been kind of like an anti-hero, where what he does is for his country, and you know, doesn't right. care about much else. Um, That's what's funny is like when the when the league shows up and. They see him fighting that dude, and they're like going to attack Adam. And Superman's like, "No, no, no! Adam did the right thing." And it's like, "What? <laughs> that can't be right." No, that, that's what. No. I did love. I did really like the loving glance that Black Adam gave Superman, and Superman returned to him. <laughs> right. Oh, I heart you. Oh, I just noticed this. So, the the image when they do the the glance, the panel in the uh, over on the far right or left, it's further out. And then they, all they did was they zoomed in on Superman's face on the next panel. It's the same picture. Yep. It is. That's cheap. Oh. <laughs> um. You do get to see Green Arrow and Black Canary come in, and they want to bring in new blood into the Justice League, per usual. Uh, and Naomi shows up. So yeah, you knew she was going to show up just because Bendis created her. Of course. It's like Stargirl. No. No. If he brings in Teen Lantern, that's it. Um, what did you guys think about the Justice League story? Justice League Dark story? Um... tell the truth kind of forgot about it yep I mean I I like I love like the DC Marvel or DC Magic uh-huh. universe part but this one just kind of was just like Merlin okay great you know and he's a bad guy of course Merlin's a bad guy like he, Jason Blood shows up. Of course, Merlin's going to show up. So I, I don't know. I, I, I do wonder what happened to Zatanna. I wish she doesn't have any powers. So I might need to look into that and why she's constantly con- like getting John Constantine to do her magic stuff for her. 
Yeah. I thought the art was a little rough. Yep. Um... There is no Detective Chimp. I mean... You never know. I, I just... I want to like Justice League Dark. But it's never going to be like... Um, what was that one group? Uh, something Pack. The Shadow Pack? Shadow Pack, yeah. That's where they really kind of started taking off working together, and I really dug that. And I even like the New 52 Justice League Dark. But then it's just kind of gone downhill a little bit. They bring in um, what's uh, Tim Hunter. It's like, yeah. Yeah, that was bad. You know, I don't know. I. I think they should be kind of like the uh, the SEALs, you know, like the Navy SEALs. You only bring them in for massive stuff. I'd like to read a story like that. Yeah, DC always seems to have like this weird fascination for the darker, grittier versions of teams. Mm-hmm. Like... Uh, the secret Green Lantern Corps, led by Guy Gardner, yeah. that did missions that no other Lantern would do. Like, then they got the Suicide Squad, and who are the alternate versions of the Justice League? And then it's just, yeah. Now you have Justice League Dark. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I don't know. I would just, I'd like to see them be used in a different manner than. Just I don't I don't know. I just there's so many great characters there that they could do so much fun stuff with and it just feels like uh, they don't have a real vision for them. Um, why couldn't they take over some of the roles of the Justice League? You know, Zantana's right. been in there a couple of times and so forth and so on, but why can't you throw in some more of those characters into it take out Batman which never made sense to me because he's not a team player to begin with he doesn't want you know he only wants to be called on when he's needed kind of thing he's got this look at me complex almost um, I don't know how Superman has time to do any of this stuff Wonder Woman shouldn't have the time to do any of this stuff you know keep Martian Manhunter uh, Hawk Girl, um, Aquaman, and well, I don't think Aquaman should have the time to do it either. Yeah, probably not. But he's so, at least got Mira that helps him a little bit, you know. I don't know. So the one thing I do find weird, uh, until recently, there was one character in every form of the Justice League, and he's no longer around. And Marsh Manhunter was the heart of the Justice League for forever. Yep. He was like this heart and soul. And he's been missing for quite a long time since they revamped him and gave him that stupid elongated head. Yeah. Like, I think uh, DC's kind of forgot that um, 
how much of a big role he was in that book. He's just never had a... I think the problem with him is he's never had a per, the, the correct personality. Right. You know, he's always been kind of... Um, a marshmallow? Yeah. Like, it just kind of like he's there. If they need a power, bam, he's got it. He solves the issue, move on. You know? Um... Yeah. I mean, because I think they could do more with him if they've developed that character just a little bit. Um, I, I really liked him when they did, uh, because he was in charge of the Justice League when they were doing Justice League International or whatever. I think you kind of got to see a little bit more of that character. Yeah. But in the hands of uh, Mattis and... Um, Oh, what's his other name? Giffen. Giffen. They make anybody entertaining. Right. You know, um, for Pete's sake, they made Batman entertaining because he knocked out Guy Garner. You know. Yeah. Uh, they they could do so much with that character and make him an enjoyable character, and then nobody's ever really quite got the grasp. But I think Morrison did a decent job with them in the early issues of his JLA run but he's always been kind of a back burner character that they just never it's always got to be Batman, Wonder Woman and Superman the rest is just oh and, and the Flash the rest of it's just whatever you know right I don't know my personal opinion Oh, all right. Any other thoughts on Justice League? How many power rings? I give it about three. Three? Okay. Kirk? I'll do three. Three? I... I guess I'd keep it about a three as well. Um, I kind of actually wanted to go a little bit less on it, but more I think about it, I did kind of enjoy the Justice League story. Art was like, eek, you know. Oh well. Alright. On to Blue Beetle, issue one by Fox Comics. We read this digitally. And there was a lot to read. What was it, 68 pages or 68? Something like that? 68 pages. Yeah. You didn't have to read the backup story. You know, the the magician part. I just read... I just read the Blue Beetle stuff. Yeah, I I didn't get too much into that backup story. I kind of focused on the Blue Beetle stuff. Because that's who we were trying to discuss. Right. Dan Garrett, the original Blue Beetle. Yeah. Uh, created in 1939. Um, he appeared in Fox Fox Publishing Comics. Uh, he was huge, right? He even had, like, during the World's Fair, there was a Blue Beetle Day. Really? Which is crazy. They had um, a triad, like a 
like a, a run for kids and it was the blue beetle run and you know you had to qualify in new york for it and yeah it was it, he was huge he had a radio program he had yeah just everything wow what's funny so in this book right it, it says that uh the story is done by Charles Nicholas, right? There's also a theory that that's Will Eisner. Really? Which is, which is weird because maybe Will was working on the spirit or this was before, you know, he wanted something to do else than the spirit. So if you look at some of the panels, like... When you're reading this, he has three different suits, right? In the first one, the origin story. We'll talk about the origin story in a second. So he he has the blue with the kind of skirt and the chain mail in the first issue. And then in the second part of the book, he's wearing a suit with a fedora, no like a white mask, and a beetle for a tie. Very spiritish. And then in the, the third page or third story in the book, he's got the blue chainmail on again. He doesn't have a yellow belt. He doesn't have a, any masks on. And he's got a beetle going uh, horizontally across his chest. So he changes costumes in this. And then, okay, fourth part, he's got the yellow belt. He's got the, gog- like, the, the, blue, like the black face mask. And the beetle is going diagonally across his chest. And then in the fifth one, he doesn't have a beetle on his chest. He's got a yellow belt with a red belt buckle. The the consistency, holy shit, is it crazy. (laughs) Like, he has a different suit for each one of these. So let's, let's go to Dan Garrett's origin story, right? So, uh, Dan's dad is a police officer in a city, right? And it's 1916. Dan's born. And guess what there's going on? The 1916 pandemic. or Spanish, 19- Spanish yeah, flu. Spanish flu. And his mom dies from it. And he gets raised by his dad. And this kid can do everything right. Yep. Everything. Like, he's the, he's the most self-dependent, most self-reliant of any kids his age. He's beating up bullies. He's saving his friends from bullies. He wants to go to college, and his dad's like, okay, I saved up money for you. And he goes to college, right? And he graduates college. Well, he plays football, too. Right. Never played football, but he can play hockey. football. Yeah, he can play hockey. Uh, what else can he do? He he boxes. He's a championship boxer. He he went. He made their football team go undefeated for the whole season. And then he gets a telegram from his dad, which is just like, uh, your father passed is wounded in the line of duty. Come immediately. Manigan. Like, so he rushes home and. 
he has the best like I like I said he's the best at everything so he has the best timing he gets to his dad right before he dies right when he dies and then luckily he joins the police force and gets partnered with his dad's by now probably 50 year old uh, partner <laughs> who who you can't rely on this guy he's 50 years old and he's still a beat cop I don't know about you, but when I see a 50-year-old B-cop, I'm like, man, did you either join the force really late, or are you just bad at your job? <laughs> yep. So, so okay, now, he he wants to find out who shot his dad, so he's like, okay, so there's there's this reporter who knows who killed my dad, so I'm going to break in to the police headquarters or what is police headquarters right and oh safe deposit box the police headquarters and gets the how the, the crooks say it the blackmail note that tells who killed the dot guy that's going to keep this woman safe where did he get the suit where do you find a chainmail suit in 1939 all in blue in with... his closet but why <laughs> it's not like they had a ren fair yeah Do you, a lot's happened to this guy's life you said it himself he's like the luckiest or the greatest at everything maybe he just walking down the street and there's a blue chainmail hey, suit look, he's like yeah look look at the blue chainmail suit just sitting here on the street right he, <laughs> he found it at like a pawn shop but so he he Okay, and then you go to this panel, right? And he's in, in the top of the ceiling. How high is this ceiling, man? You get a picture of the crooks, and they're right up in the camera. And he's up in a little attic opening, and he's itty-bitty. This ceiling must be at least 12, 15 feet high, because he also comes through the opening, and he's got at least a body and a half to fall down of him. So I'm saying 6, 12, uh, 18 feet? Maybe 15 feet. This is a huge room. And you know how you're supposed to like plan out your characters? You know, okay, so this guy, his dad dies. He somehow gets this suit. He's suddenly becomes super strong. But there's, there's no reason for how he did all this. Then you get further on into the issue, right? And he he's walking down the street. He gets shot in the arm, and he's okay, right? He just wants to go look at this old dude that fell down out of a car, right? <laughs> but he got shot in the arm, and he's like, okay, that's fine. And then he's like, take the rest of the day off. No. I'm go and then he walks in. To his friend, his old friend, the druggist, right? The they don't even say his name. He goes back in there, changes into the blue beetle costume, gets into a car that we've never seen before, and goes off. And he's wearing he had, a different costume. He had it stashed in a secret garage, right? Like that episode of the '90s Flash TV show, but. 
he has a wireless phone that he calls police headquarters on. That, oh my god. This this is like the I don't know how this made it so long because this is the most not planned out comic I've ever read in my life. Because later on, that that pharmacist makes him the X1 formula that makes him super strong. But they don't even bring it up right here. He's just out whacking guys without a mask on in the third part. Oh, you noticed that. Like how... Yeah, it's like, dude, you look like Dan Garrett. Oh my god, rookie patrolman. All right, you know? Easy. Manigan, Manigan will get him. Right. And then, do you think that the Beatle gave the the kids that were getting bullied the money? Or the kid that found the, the $20 bill? Do you think he gave him the banknotes? You think he gave him like some of the uh, the money that wasn't marked? Because they're like... and the, Just the kid, like the little baby going, Woo, Beatle! Like, oh, God. Sometimes reading Golden Age books is so hard, dude. Yeah. Yep. And this one is like the... Maybe one of the worst ones I've read in a long time. <laughs> There's a reason why DC got rid of Dan Garrett and never bring him back up. Um, yeah, it looks like in in the next issue, like the next part of the issue... He has antenna. He yeah, does. He does. So they, they keep changing his suit. Like, is he just trying new ones out? And every time he goes back home, he has to change them because they 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 just break. And where does he keep getting all these little blue beetles to throw on people's like dashboards? In one part, the crooks are getting away in their car. He's behind them in his, and they're like, "Oh crap! A blue beetle! There's a beetle on their front window." Like, how did he get that there? So, like, oh, man. Yeah, like, Manigan is the worst. He doesn't do anything. He just does a stupid thing at the end. He doesn't help him at all. He's not teaching this kid how to be, like, a good cop. He's. I'm going to get him next week. Okay, you, you, my favorite one is, like, the fifth one called A Trap for the Blue Beetle. And all these crooks are, like... We're going to get him, right? It's just like that. Uh, and then he has um, Dr. Franz, his, which uh, runs the drugstore that gives him the, the, the super power formula to make him look old. And the artwork for him looking old is like he got beat in the face with a two-by-four. <laughs> like, his hair is like parted weird and it just like has this giant like like half of his hair got male pattern baldness and the other half is fine and like half his jaw got like cut off from like mouth cancer it's the worst drawing for yeah it's it's really bad I can't even describe how bad it is but they they're like yeah, they literally trap him. Like he walks into their their this criminals organization, dressed like an old dude, and they're like, "Hey, you want to see the blue beetle?" 
and automatically he just takes his costume off, and underneath it, underneath the the prosthetic face, he's wearing his chainmail with the gla- like the mask on, and he's just busting through this. Like, there's no reason for him to go in in disguise, other than to ask a guy, "Hey, uh, can you direct me to 107th Spruce Street?" That's it. That's what he did. Like, he couldn't find. He's a de- he's a cop for God's sakes, and he can't find 107th Spruce Street. And then he walks in there into the 107th Spruce Street, and uh, what's going on, right? And he walks out the door in a cage, like a giant bird cage. Next, at next page, sometime later, Blue Beetle finds himself in a strong cell. How the f did he do that? magic i swear to god right and these he's opens up his like little like uh scarab belt and inside he has a whole bunch of master keys okay batman he pulled out something from there before in another issue like part of the issue and it saved the day and this one he pulls out master keys and saves the day while these crooks are robbing a gas station and to keep people from knowing or, you know, going to the cops, they blow the whole goddamn thing up. Oh, because that's not going to cause anybody to call the cops and, you know, look for a red sedan in the middle of the night. Really? You guys are shit criminals. And nah, see? This is the worst. And, yeah, there's a page missing in this book because uh, Manigan supposedly gets the drop on Beetle and then... Beetle just punches the shit out of him. But that, yeah, like... Uh... Not a fan of Dan Garrett. (laughs) I was never a fan in the radio plays. And at least he doesn't say he's gonna nip. Like he does in the radio plays. I got some uh, criminals to nip. Like, whoa. Okay, weirdo. <laughs> but, yeah, th- this character, I mean, for, for lasting 80 years, did not get fleshed out until Charlton got a hold of him. Well, is it because at that time they're, people were just so desperate for superheroes of any sort? They were just pumping them out? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this this lasted for like fifty issues. And so, Dan Garrett, spelled G A R R E T, turns into Doctor Dan Garrett, G A R R E T T. And we'll talk about him next time. And maybe he's better because he's the guy that gives Ted Cord the suit. Yeah. That makes him better? I don't know. It, it, <laughs> we'll find out. I mean... Yeah. I mean, maybe it deals more with the Scarab? You know, giving him superpowers? And not uh, waiting forever to figure out how he got a suit and how he got like super strong and could do all this stuff? I was really disappointed. 
I wasn't. It was about where I thought it would be. <laughs> Middle of the road, 1939 comic. Yeah. I kept having to start over because I kept falling asleep. No, I get that. I mean, that Golden Age stuff is... Again, Golden Age was more... Not really based on continuity as much as it was just having some kind of adventure for the character. But what I really want to do is find one of those absolutely free comic scopes. It's not a toy, but a real projector. Where you can uh, put a comic in it and project it on the wall. It's on the last page. And it's like... is it? Does it project the picture, or does it just... You put a little reel in it. It's a comic scope, so I don't know. You know? yeah you do you can use the comic strips in your magazines as film in the comic scope and screen your favorite characters in any size and in full color so you have to cut open your comics and feed them through this I wonder how many like action comics number ones got cut up into strips and thrown through this comic scope you know what happened is, is somebody's like, this is going to give us a lot of money in the future. Quick, buy up all these action comics, then let's sell this. All the kids cut theirs up. We'll only have we'll have the ah! uh, market on the, <laughs> on <Right>. the action <laughs> using their foresight to know how much it's going to be worth down the road. Right, we're gonna ten cent kids book. We're gonna yeah. Like, just think of how many how many books got massacred just for this stupid box, uh, or maybe how many didn't. Who knows right. how well that actually sold? We don't even know if it actually came out. <laughs> but at least it was free. You didn't have to pay for it. It wasn't like a scam. But of course, you did have to buy Mystery Men, Wonderland, and Fantastic Comics. So, uh. Unless you're a huge fan of Phantoma or Stardust, you're really not picking up Wonderland comics or Wonder Worlds. But yeah, I was, I've read so much better Golden Age stuff and stuff that didn't last much, lo- like very long. And this is this lasted for so long. Yeah. Like, people just gravitated to this character, and I'm like, why? Do I need to read more? I don't want to. Maybe it's because he was so good at everything. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe everybody just looked up to him. Like, he's just Clark Kent without the superpowers. Yeah, very well could be. Uh... All right, that's all I got for... Anybody got anything else to talk about Blue Beetle, Dan Garrett? No, I think you covered it. You did a fantastic job with Nick. Oh. Anything Kirk and I could come up with would just insult that what was, you just did. That was horrible, man. 
I just don't, I just, there's just no consistency in that book. He looked different in every story. The art was different. There was, it's like they're just making it up as they go along. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, now he's got this pharmacist. We don't have a name for him yet. Let's think of one for next time. Like, oh, he needs uh, some kind of place to go to. Well, you know what? Maybe you should figure out where Manigan goes to every time he gets out of the car. <laughs> he's getting a donut and a payoff. <laughs> Probably. That would Manigan... have been amazing if they made his like hideout the donut shop. <laughs> Just full of cops that don't even pay attention. Yep. That'd be pretty funny. Oh. All right. Well, that swings us over to our random reads. And Nick's been talking for a bit. Kirk, do you want to go first or you want me? I'll pick. I'll go first. All right. I picked up uh, Nightwing number seventy-eight. It's the start of a new new storyline, and it starts off in Goth- Gotham Heights Park. And three rich kids are beating up on somebody. And a red-headed girl comes up and starts uh, defending him. And, well, she starts talking and trying to defend him and saying, you know, that she has a problem with what they're doing. And then Dick Grayson, young Dick Grayson, shows up. And they're like, Dick? Um, and so the guys like, uh, caught your family's act, the, uh, your last act at the circus. Best thing I've ever seen, the Flying Graysons, guess they couldn't fly after all. And, uh, Dick tells them to walk away, to leave the kid alone. And he gets called stupid. And then he proceeds to... Kick the shit out of all the three rich kids. And, uh... The cops start coming. And, uh... The rich kid says, my dad owns the cops. And the redhead says, do you think they'll listen to you over me? And it turns out to be Barbara Gordon. And her dad ends up arresting the rich kids. And uh, you go forward to uh, Wayne Manor and... Dick is doing the dishes and Alfred is saying he didn't have to do it. That he would get them, and uh, Dick apologizes for getting in trouble, and Alfred says that Master Bruce may feel you should only be a hero when wearing a costume, but that he's proud of him for standing up for someone that's in need. Uh, you skip ahead to. Um, Bloodhaven and 
a bunch of jocks are kicking a puppy. And uh, Nightwing says that uh, he says that uh, you know I would usually start open with something disarming and witty but he's just disgusted that they were kicking on this puppy and one of the guys pulls out a gun and is going to shoot the the dog is three legged and he's going to shoot the three legged dog in the head and Dick proceeds to kick the shit out of all of them and he goes to uh, pick up the puppy and the puppy bites him so they go to the doctor and take the dog to the vet because Dick's bleeding so he needs stitches and then the commissioner and a Mr. Desmond are speaking and they're talking about how the mayor isn't uh Hold on here. That his operations have stagnated and the the uh, this Mr. Desmond kills the mayor and appoints a new person mayor. And her name is uh, Melinda Zuko. If you know anything about Robin's back carrot background. The Zukos are the one that killed his family. And she's now... This... Uh, Melinda Zuko is now the mayor of Bloodhaven. And you skip to... Uh, Dick's walking to his uh, apartment building that he bought when he had Bruce Wayne money. And he's running out of cash. She's like on the verge of having to up the rent, which he doesn't want to do to the tenants. Uh, someone broke into his apartment. He decides to dress up as Nightwing and try to catch them in the act. And it ends up being Barbara Gordon and she kicks the shit out of him. <laughs> and they talk about um... He says he has cutting-edge security system, and she's like, yeah, it took me, like, three minutes to get through. And she finds out he has a dog, and Nightwing says he's going to the pound, and she's like, no, you just got him as forever home. And the reason she's there is the reading of Alfred Pennyworth's will. And come to find out that Alfred was a billionaire and he left all his money to Dick um, and it leaves off with Melinda Zuko talking to one of her hench people and she said the henchman says what about Dick Grayson she says I'm not ready for that 
for him yet. You can't wait too long. You may not get another chance. And it says, I know, soon. And it's got a picture, a uh, flying circus poster with Dick's uh, face circled. I, uh, that's where it ends. I really like this book. The art's pretty, is, uh, is awesome. I like the story. It sounds like it's going to be Nightwing taking down another Zuko, part of the Zuko family. And apparently Alfred became a billionaire um, because he invested, uh, when he became Bruce's guardian, he was giving a, given a large amount of stock in Wayne Industries. And he said that he was given a, lot, a ludicrous amount of wealth that he had no need for. So, he, he was just finding a good place to do it. And he decided to give it to Dick. Uh, it's really good. I like the story. Like I said, the art's fantastic. Um, I think I found a new book to read. So that night, all the Nightwing series have been really decent, in my opinion. That first one that was done by um, Dixon was a lot of fun. I think the New Fifty Two one was good. Um, he's just a good character. He's he's Batman without being an ass. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much that's how I think of it too. Um I was looking at it like Comicsology has like the trade of the rebirth. Mm-hmm. And I was looking through it and part of it makes me not want to read it now because Nick's favorite writer is the writer of some of for like a bunch of issues. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, so, yep, Dan Jurgens did like a 20-issue run or something like that. So. But. That's all I got. Cool. Alright. So, I got a few. Um, one book that came out last week that looked really interesting and I really wanted to check it out was... Orphan and the Five Beasts from Dark Horse issue number one and this was fantastic um, the script art letters and cover were done by James Stoke or Stokey it's just it's entertaining it's about a kid who's um, taken in by a monk type character and it was trained in the ways of their clan and uh, it, he, the monk is having this orphan this, the orphan person uh, go take revenge on where he fell short because at one point he trained these five creatures to take on a wolf man 
they're a wolf shaped like a man and so they took on that wolf and then they started using those powers to kind of form their own uh, clans and they didn't follow the instructions that were given of hey if I show you how to beat this wolf you need to come back and then train with me and so they learned enough to take out the wolf and then they started doing their own thing so his final student is this orphan who has been assigned to go out and take down the five uh, creatures that the former master had trained and the first creature they run into is thunder thighs and uh that's not very nice you need to see the size of these thighs they're massive um (laughs) (laughs) he they don't have any horses because he keeps riding them while he is so large his thighs are so large that he just ends up destroying the horses when he sits on um and so the orphan's showing up to do battle and that's where it leaves off this was unbelievably entertaining it was way way better than i expected it to be i am really looking forward to continuing to read this series um i can't recommend it enough definitely check it out all right another book that i thought looked pretty good and i was looking forward to silly me was the bequest by uh, tim seeley and freddie e williams the second and when you look at the cover you're like oh this is kind of like a uh, fantasy book dungeons and dragons type thing looks great it's aftershock it's going to be fantastic because everything Aftershock is really pretty good. And then you read it, and it's... I, I have a big... I guess my big thing is I want to read a good fantasy book. I love, like, the elves and the uh, dwarves and all that kind of stuff, and the magic and the dragons. I... I I want to read something good. I love those good fantasy books. But I want it to be in the fantasy realm. I don't want it to be where it's kind of like a time jump thing, if that makes sense. You know? Yeah. Uh, and that's what this book is. It is a time jump where at the beginning they're in the current time and these kids who think they're magicians are like beating up on some people and um, they accidentally shoot a uh, old guy and then we hop to the past where um, we have a dwarf a knight a fairy a mage and an elf fighting and they go and get to this dragon and they don't do so great against the dragon and the knight's parents are magicians who show up and they're like yeah you guys didn't do a good job so we're going to go ahead and send you someplace else to resolve another issue and they warp them into the future so it's like Conan goes to New York 
And at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm done with this. I don't care anymore. Um, the art is really good. I, I really like the art. Just really disappointed with the story. Um, the one thing that did catch my interest a little bit is that there is a uh, soldier who is working with a dark fairy I think it's a dark fairy and she's handing out drugs to these uh, people and they start shooting up and he's like okay now you are a part of the blood of the serpent and the description box is that uh, he just took over a white supremacist militia with dragon powers so you're like Hmm. that's different <laughs> but again I yeah. just don't I don't want to read Conan in New York you know I I want the fantasy world um, which I started reading I didn't get to finish it yet but I started reading Warlands by Pat Lee uh, it was an earlier image book that is probably one of the best fantasy comics I have ever read um, I've always liked the Warland series. Um, it's vampires versus elves versus uh, mages. I, it's just great storytelling. The illustrations are unbelievable. It takes place in a fantasy world where, you know, exactly what I was looking for. And to be able to pick that up and start reading it after I read this was just a breath of fresh air. All right. I'm almost done, guys. Um, you know, we've been doing this podcast for a lot of years. What, two, two and a half years now? Something like that? Two? Yep. Somewhere there. Um, and not a single one of us has ever covered an event comic. So I decided it was time. And I read Ash number one. This was like, no pun intended, one of the hottest books back in 94 that you would have ever found. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Joe Quesada and Jimmy Palamate, or Mati. Um, oh. I picked up zero through six for $3. Um, and back in the day, you couldn't buy the first one without getting it being like 15 but um, this is such an interesting I, I only read the first zero issue in the first issue but it starts off with a bunch of firefighters going into a building they've lost one of their uh, firemen in this building they find somebody, they grab him, they drag him out and they realize that it is one of the firemen that they lost they take him to the hospital, everybody's worried about him they go check on him and after you know like six hours later and I mean he was like burnt I mean he was uh, let's see um, they even described it here so you gotta have an idea partial and full thick burns or partial and full thickness burns over 90% of his body conditions critical um, so a few hours later 
some of his fireman pals go back into his room and he's completely fine. He looks normal. Everything's good. Um, he starts having some nightmares. He stops working for the fire department as he's recovering and he starts watching television. He's actually watching, I think, Sally Jesse Raphael. Um, and all of a sudden, fire starts coming out of him and he melts the TV. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it was Sally Jesse Raphael. I didn't, can you blame him? No. Um, but he hears about this accident on the bridge where this woman's kind of losing her mind. She's tired of traffic. She hates people. Um, she clearly lives in Omaha, Nebraska because that's how most of us feel at this point. Um, she jumps out and runs over to this gas truck and kapowy blows, blows up. So this kid hears about it and all of a sudden his powers, these, these fire powers ignite and he goes out, jumps on this motorcycle. But before he takes the motorcycle, he burns off the license plate so nobody knows who he is. Mm. <laughs> jumps on the bike, goes flying over to this bridge, and he is going to end up fighting this woman who is apparently a... Lizard looking like thingy, and that's where they leave off. Um, I remember when I read this the first time way back when I thought it was awesome, I thought the art was amazing. I'm like, this is the best thing ever. Uh, how have I never found anything like this before? And now I read it, I'm like, eh, I'm glad I got all these for three bucks. Um, <laughs> it wasn't great storytelling that's for sure alright final thing I got um, I am going to tell you now this is a book you need to pick up um, it is fantastic it is not superhero it's something you could almost see happening in real life it's called Kill a Man by Aftershock um, this was not a uh, single issue. This was a, a trade paperback um, by Steve Orlando and Philip Kennedy Johnson. And it is about a... Uh, I can't remember what they call it. It's a UFC fighter, essentially. Um, his dad was a UFC fighter. And his dad's in the ring with this guy and his dad made some very um, inappropriate comics about the other other guy's sexuality um, and it triggered him it triggered the opponent and the opponent ends up killing the dad in the ring and jumps ahead to where the kid's now in the ring and he's fighting and he is one of the greatest UFC fighters in the world uh, He, you know, he's fighting to win this match to get a shot at the belt 
Um, he's just getting praised over and over and over again for his prowess. And um, you come to find out that he is gay. And his opponent that had the belt announces it to the entire world, like at their presser. And everybody just abandoned him. His family doesn't want anything to do with him. His uh, training squad doesn't want anything to do with him. Um, the UFC program, or whatever it's called in here, is basically kind of shelving him, just saying, hey, we really don't want anything to do with you, that kind of a thing. And so he's got to fight his way back. Um, and he has to go to the man that killed his father in the ring to get the training he needs to take on the demons. Um, and I don't want to get to tell anything else. I, it, this is just absolutely amazing. It needs to be read. It's probably one of, if not the best Aftershock books I have ever read and I am a massive Aftershock fan. Um, so that's saying something. Uh, this is only 18 bucks and it's well worth it. You get plenty of story. Um, pick it up. Order it. Find it on your online comic retailer. Whatever you need to do. But you need to read it because it's that good. And that's what I got. Wow. Cool. Nice. Mine's not going to be that long. Uh, <laughs> I picked up America Chavez, made in the USA. Number one, came out a couple of weeks ago by Marvel. I liked it. The end. No. Um, so, she's one of the young Avengers, right? And uh, she keeps um, losing her powers. So this issue is filled with nonstop um, cameos by other people, right? So uh, she's fighting these giant mole people in L.A. And uh, Hawkeye shows up. Katie, whatever. Yeah, you know, my least favorite Hawkeye. She shows up and, of course, she uh, loses her powers Katie takes over and she falls unconscious. Okay, she wakes back up. She goes and fights some more mole people with Katie and she loses her powers and passes out. And then they go home and she's hanging out with her girlfriend and they're having a little heart to heart for about five pages, maybe six, maybe seven, and maybe eight. Maybe nine. Okay, then she's out doing some more superhero stuff, and she runs across Spider-Man. And they go out, and they go fight some stuff, and she loses her powers, and passes out. And then, she gets home, and somebody has like, set their apartment on fire, and now her family is in trouble by some anonymous person. And that's it. That's the story. The end. And next issue comes out in April 2021. Pretty good. I I kind of liked it. I never read her before. She's kind of a cool character. If uh, if her name was Wonder Woman, and she came from Themyscira instead of some alternate dimension, 
But the one thing I'm really excited for is the Avengers Curse of the Man-Thing number one by Steve Orlando. Can you believe it's 50 years of Man-Thing? Wow. Holy really? shit. Yeah, 50 years. It's going to be crazy. It's, uh, I'm really looking forward to that one. Okay, so what's, so what's more surprising? Is 50 years of Man-Thing or it, Marvel's recognizing as 50 years of Man-Thing, a character they've done nothing with outside of like three short stories and now they're going to publicize it because it's a 50 year anniversary. They made a movie. He appeared in the movie for about five seconds at the end. But yeah, uh, it's a character that they they, they're holding on to for some reason that it's got a cult following but I mean, they haven't done anything with him. It's actually been really cool. They did that one series in like 2000 where it was horror, which was actually pretty cool, but that was the last thing they really did that was like interesting with him. So I really want to see if they can do something to bring that back like they did. What he's going to do is he's going to jump in a van with a hotline and travel (laughs) in the United States looking for his shield. Oh, wait. That's Cap. Well, uh, <laughs> you never know. He is part of the super soldier. You know, uh, if there's like 20 X weapon X's running or weapon characters running around and one of them's a frog, I'm pretty sure they're going to tie back the super soldier serum to Man-Thing and have him running around, not <laughs> not with Cap in the car, but maybe as a giant walking shrub that Cap rides <laughs> on top of. <laughs> They're going to get all the, the the Captain America um, super soldier serum guys. They're all going to travel around the world riding on Swamp Thing or uh, Man Thing. Oh, could you imagine him in Guardians of the Galaxy? How awesome would that be with Groot? Oh my god. They could have just a bunch of plant-based superheroes. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> and then that guy from the X-Men would show up, the one that looks like a plant. He was like in X-Men number five or something like that. <laughs> and this is like the last time you've ever seen him. Kind of like Eunice the Untouchable. Yeah. Yeah, you don't see that dude running around. Nope. The Vanisher shows up like every like twenty years, but yeah, um, I don't know. They got to keep the copyright somehow, right? So maybe maybe sad, they'll do a. You know, it's because of the copyright. Maybe they'll do a Groot and Rocket, but it will be Howard and and Man Thing. Didn't they already kind of do that? Well, he, Howard showed up first in uh, Man Thing book. So he's been he's been with Man Thing since his first appearance. So they're always tied together. But that is a crap book right there. Oh my god! First appearance of Howard the Duck is one of the worst reads you'll ever read. <laughs> it is so dull. <laughs> oh. 
I did pick up that Infinite Frontier number zero. What'd you think? I liked it. It was pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was really decent. And too bad you have to wait for Infinite Frontier number one till July. Yeah. Well. I was like, damn it, I want more now. Well, that brings me to my news of the week. DC's bumping their prices on their books. So you know very well that that's why they're holding off on that. Yeah, if you want to read Batman, now you got to pay $6 for it. Yeah, no thanks. What? Yeah, $5.99 for Batman. And they're putting putting in backup stories on some of these, too. I'm not that big of a fan of Batman. No. Oh, it's everything. That's some bullshit. And they're pricing them based by popularity. Yeah. So if you want to read, like... Yeah. Because they know some fanboy out there who is going to buy it no matter what it costs. Yep. Because you got to finish your collection. Isn't that right, Ryan? Yep. <laughs> Somebody actually asked that on one of the ch- groups I'm in, and I'm like, I will do that. I would spend that for my favorite character. Batman is not my favorite character. <laughs> but you wouldn't... I'm not going to go into a store and be like when I was a kid and just pick up like a whole handful of books if they're like six bucks a piece. Yeah, no. You know? No. I, no. You know, cases or situations like that, Infinite Frontier... I can't. What what is the cover price on that? It was seven bucks. But it was a nice format. It's a pretty heavy, hefty book too. It's not. Yeah, it's. And it's it's not not just twenty. It's not a quick read either. No. I would pay that for that particular book. Yes. I am not going to do it for a standard. Run in the mill, twenty-two page. Batman story that the second, you know, there's probably some kind of a follow-up or feature story in the back, like they did what was that they were doing that with? Was it Rebirth that they started doing that with some of those issues? It's like why? You're just trying to... It goes back to saving a character for copyright purposes. Yep. That's why Grifter's in like the Superman books. Uh, or is he in the Batman? He's actually book? part of the Batman family now. Yeah. Yeah. If I remember right, it? he's uh, the Fox's bodyguard. Yeah, that's what he was in Infinite Frontier. It's like, uh, yeah. Uh. I mean, I will say D- DC's done a fantastic job with their solicitations for these. Um. They did a massive spread with all the Batman characters. Uh, they gave Red Hood a new look. You know, you want, you are intrigued by it a little bit. I, I think yeah. that's safe to say. Yeah. Um, you know, they did a big spread for Wonder Woman. Um, I'm getting they, they in on the ground more. floor of a new universe, so yeah. I'm pretty excited about that. But come on. But at the same time. I can't see myself paying six dollars, you know, for a book like that. No. 
yeah, he sells, but I mean, truthfully, you're doing a disservice and you're going to lose a lot more readers because of the way this one's being handled. Yeah. My See, personal just, thoughts. just seems like they're trying to price, you know, people out of the, you know, I don't want to say casual, but I don't know. I think they're just trying to price everybody out of the market. Yeah. That won't yeah. just drop drop the money. Some kid's gonna go into a comic book store with their 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 dad or their mom, and she's gonna be like, he or she's gonna be like, oh look at this, this is six bucks, and the mom's gonna go, screw you. You know, here's the thing though is I and I thought about this a little bit because I found it, I have this thing where I like to go out and look at Pinterest, like me too. Old, you know, you go out and it's like, this is what Toys R Us looked like in the 80s. And, you know, and you're looking at all those images of old, the old toys you used to collect because you go into places like Pop Culture Exchange or Toys from the Past. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I had that when I was a kid. That's so awesome. You know, that kind of mine's, thing. Mine's finding old comic book covers. Yeah. Well, you know. Seeing like, old comic book covers. G.I. Joe's. They were two bucks a pop. Yep. Two bucks. Nowadays, wow, that's not much at all. But I remember being, back when I was a kid, two dollars was a hell of a lot of money. Yep. You know, you used to be able to buy those little miniature Lego sets that are now ten dollars a pop for like three bucks. And I would like, the yard work I would do to try to get three bucks so I could get a little Lego set, you know? Yeah. In comics, I think they've increased their price a little too rapidly compared to what they were. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know, it was a quarter, then it was fifty cent, thirty-five cents, then fifty cents. It was kind of a gradual climb, and over the last couple of years, it went from uh, like a dollar ninety-nine to two ninety-nine. To three nine, there wasn't like a three fifty. Well, or, or anything thing, like that. It just poof. My thing is, is if you're gonna charge that that much money, you know, I remember when they went from just the regular paper to the magazine paper, mm -hmm. and they upped the price, and I was like, well, that makes sense. It's a better quality paper. You know, you know, I, I don't know. But I remember, you know, like Nick said, you could go in and get a handful of comics for, you could get 20, bu 20 comics for 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just don't want to see, you know, asking me to pay four four ninety nine is kind of pushing it for, I mean, we've all agreed modern comic books or the comic books that we've been reading over the last what year we'd find a one or two that we thought was really decent you know you're a huge fan of marauders kirk yep i get it the fantastic book you enjoy it yeah you know um 
I found a few books here or there that I liked. I think Nick's even found a few books here or there he liked. But there's no consistency like we were finding. In a, it could be just because of our age and our mental state at this point where we have fonder memories of better times reading these older books. Yeah. And we're not getting the same emotions out of them currently. It could be something like that. But at the same time, it very well could just be they're just not as good. <laughs> could very well be. You know, um, outside of an occasional Tom King book, you know, he's about the only writer I get really excited about wanting to read his stuff about just because he does such a fantastic job storytelling. But you don't have the the comedic timing of like Giffen anymore. You don't have a visionary like uh, Alan Moore out there anymore. Well, you have him out there, but now he's just doing it for money, not for the love of the product. Yeah. Um, Neil Gaiman. Yeah, he's coming back in every once in a while, but that world Neil Gaiman created, you know, originally, you just have all these fantastic writers from back then and fantastic long drawn out storytelling and it wasn't about the quick cash in uh, which it feels like that's what it's all about nowadays I don't know it's just it feels like it's asking an awful lot and you don't see kids in comic shops nope you don't I work at one occasionally you'll see them come in with their parents but what you hear is the parents going hey I had that when I was a kid or this is my favorite character and the kid's like yeah great dad where's the Pokemon cards yeah they don't care about the comics it's a it's a very niche market yeah which is sad to say I mean I, I really would like I would love to see something done that gets kids back into it and pricing the way they're pricing is not the way to do it. No. So. Oh, sorry about that. Okay. No problem. I got a little quick story here that I, I've been watching. Uh, it's called Mint Hunter Comics on YouTube. Okay. And he basically does... Uh, he like does a review of like uh, Batman's like comic statues, and he he slabs books. He he's kind of like he buys them and then he slabs them and he keeps the ones that he wants and then he sells the other ones. Mm-hmm. So this guy buys like multiple copies of each and then gets it graded and then sells them. Um. There's a. I watched a video and he's telling a story about a. Um, he missed out on over a half a million dollars in a a uh, yard sale. Apparently, there was this yard sale that this farmer was having, and um, the guy's dad had collected. 
Spider-Man comics since the begin. He had like Spider-Man number one through eighty. Okay. Okay. And uh, the guy shows up uh, on the second day of the yard sale. This guy who does the YouTube video and asks if they had any comics uh, that he could go through and um, the uh, the son of this guy or the yeah the grandson says uh, dad do we have any more comics left and he's like no we sold them all yesterday and so the guy says, do you mind if I ask you what you had? And he said, I had uh, Spider-Man, the, uh, you know, the hero, right? He's like, okay. And he's like, I had one through 80. And I sold them to a guy for $100. Oh. You did what I did. My jaw hit the floor. And, um, the guy, he says the, the, the guy said that his dad had collected them and put them away to give to his grandkids. Grandkids didn't want these old magazines. And, uh, he just went off of the cover price. He didn't know they were worth money. So he went off the 12 cent cover price. And the guy about had a heart attack, he went white. And he was like, the guy could tell that he had done something, well, what was, what, what's the problem? <laughs> and so the guy told him, and they, he's like, do you have his number? Do you, you know? And he's like, no, I don't have any of that. And I was thinking about it, and it put me in a quandary. If you, as a collector went to this yard sale and the guy had those comics and he said a hundred dollars would you tell the guy that they were worth more than that now here's the thing this situation's happened to me before not with spider-man but where somebody was trying to sell me something that was un- they undervalued it okay and you know they're offering it for 20 or something I'm like this is like 50 bucks here's 50 bucks you know I did something like that okay now do would I if it was a situation along those lines where it was a hundred bucks compared to how much it would have actually been yeah that's, um, that's life-changing money yeah I I think I would probably I don't know if I'd go as crazy on it but I would offer you know probably 60% of the value of it yeah something like that again it depends on condition and everything um I've seen that at the shop I work at um, we've had people come in and they undervalue what they have and they're like 
Actually, it's more like this. This is what I can offer you on it if you're interested. You know, and it's higher than what they're actually asking. Um, I don't know. Ethically, I just feel like, you know, not everybody's going to be a big of comic book nerd as I am. Yeah. So I understand that I'm going to see a value there that somebody else may not that's selling this stuff. But then I also understand there's those idiots out there that, that probably not calling them idiots not a good idea. But there's those people out there that you see it all the time. You know, there's the, oh, comics from the 90s, three, three long boxes, $700. Yeah. You know, and the three of us could go to Alan's show and find all three long boxes full for 50 bucks. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you so, think, Nick? Uh, I used to work for a kind of predatory store in Minnesota. I told you guys about that. And yeah. they... They didn't care what was in the box. They would just give you pretty much a flat amount for that box. You know, if you brought in a long box, no matter what was in it, they would probably just be like, oh, I'll give you 25 bucks for the box. Without even looking in it. And yeah, I, I got scolded one time because I was doing a buy and I was looking through it and I was pricing everything out for this guy. And they were like, what are you doing? Just give him like 20 bucks. I'm like, he's got the whole run of Jim Lee's X-Men. They're like, we don't care. Just give him 25 bucks. Wow. So yeah, they, they, cool. they did not even look really at any of the comics that they were bringing in. They just... We're like, yeah, fine. Just offer them and see if just lowball them. And I was like, I, I really can't do that. And I didn't. I wasn't there much longer after that because I, I couldn't. I couldn't look people in the eye and be like, yeah, you know, that that I'll give you uh, five bucks for X Men number twelve. Yeah, you know, it's literally not worth that much. It, eh, it's in bad shape. Uh, the bent, this corner, this bent right here. The spine's broken. You know, I'll give you like five bucks. It's kind of like how it was. Is that the place you told me not to buy from up in Minneapolis? Oh, no. This, this That was the guy that stole product from the store that I worked at that opened his own store. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just saw that and I was like, oh my god, that's a, that's a moral... a moral quandary. I will say this though too. It depends if I like the person or not. If yeah, if he's a real d-bag, if he's yeah. a douchebag, yeah, I'd rip him off. <laughs> I'm here to unload these goddamn funny books. All right, dude, I'll give you ten bucks. So, I used to work sat like every Saturday, all day, and I was in charge of running and getting the food. And I used to go to this Wendy's. It's not there anymore. But I'd have my shirt on for the shop. And every time I went in there, the lady that worked there was like, oh, you work at a comic shop? I'm like, well, yeah. And she goes, you know, I really enjoy those Marmaduke comics. And every time I'd be like, yeah, that's good stuff. I mean, I could never hurt her feelings. Like, yeah, not quite what we're into, but appreciate the effort. Because she got so excited about Marmaduke. Yeah. 
I'm quick. <laughs> oh. Oh, so, uh, I've noticed you have managed to avoid your four odd hour trip through <laughs> amazingness. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, what did you think, Nick? I will hear yours first. Okay. Well, I wrote down some of my thoughts this afternoon. It's one page that says, ah! It's about 17 pages. <laughs> and I'm going to read word for word every line. Okay, Steve. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I'll start with the pros. It's a four-hour review of a four-hour movie. Yep. <laughs> All right. Act one, scene one, we see... No, that would be that would be a. I would not do that to you guys. <laughs> I still have problems with hanging on a rope for twenty minutes and not being able to climb up. <laughs> All right, so I'll start with the pros. All right, first one. Uh, the movie made a lot more sense with the new scenes. Um, they did a better job developing the characters. I like the Flash more. He's not as annoying in this one. Um, kind of want to see a Flash movie now. Um, uh, shit. I like that they put Martian Manhunter in there. Um, I like Superman in the black costume. Costume changes sometimes good. And I actually... I made fun of him before, but I actually enjoyed Ben Affleck as Batman. Alright, that's all the pros I could find. <laughs> I'm just going to say I'm indifferent about the film I can't decide if I liked it or if I didn't like it but if going by what I wrote kind of makes it feel like I didn't like it um, they filmed it in 4-3 ratio because they were planning to put it in the IMAX, I guess. So it wasn't in film... It wasn't in uh, widescreen for the... Uh, being on HBO. I fell asleep in the beginning. Because it just seemed to drag on. Um, with all the character development, how I said they did... A good job building the characters. I still don't care about Cyborg. Um, I don't like that the movie was filmed before Aquaman because it just still throws me off when he has hate for his mom and doesn't know who Mira is and 
It just throws me off every time I watch it. Speaking of Mira, they should replace her because her fake British accent was shit. Um, they cut out some of my favorite lines. Uh, they completely changed the Batman fight scene with Superman. And the line they cut out that I like was him taunting him with, you know, you won't let me live, you won't let me die. You know, tell me something, do you bleed? As he's kicking the shit out of Batman. Um... Um, I thought Darkseid was going to be more involved in the movie. He's really not. And he gets taken out quicker than Thanos got taken out in, in, in Infinity War and Endgame. Um... I hated the slow motion... And the five-minute flash iris scene where he creepily caresses her hair out of her face and looks lovingly into her eyes. And it's all supposed to happen in a matter of two seconds. Um, they could have cut this movie out down to three hours with all the taking out all the slow motion... That didn't need to be in there. And the whole uh, epilogue still can't stand Jared Leto as the Joker. Um, let's see. The epilogue makes it seem like Lois was more important to the film as, as than she's made out to be in the actual film. She shows up for one part and then you don't hear from her again in the whole movie. Um, I rolled my eyes at the Superman Scott Stapp Jesus pose when he flies up into the into space in front of the sun. He's got his arms out like Scott Stapp. Doing his messiah pose. Uh, I don't think it's the greatest superhero movie of all time. Like all these freaking... I, w I don't even know what to call the, the Snyder fanboys. Uh, zealots? We'll call them Zealots. Um... It was the biggest fanfic film of all time. It was just pandering to the fans. And uh, there was no Green Lantern. That was another one I put in there, Ryan. There was a Green Lantern in there, but he was in there for like five seconds. It was... Uh, Yar... Boy, I can't think of the second name. It's the Chinese one the front, uh, that uh, Alan got his powers from. Yeah. So that was a little. I thought it. I thought the film needed 
a Green Lantern. It didn't have to be Ryan Reynolds as Green Lantern. It just needed someone as the Green Lantern. Um, I have to say that when I watched uh, the last two Marvel films, Infinity War or Endgame, I don't fall. I I wasn't put to sleep in the first five minutes of the film. So I think I would rather watch those than ever put myself through watching that again. <laughs> I don't think I could take a four-hour chunk out of my day just because. Oh, that Justice League movie looks great. I think I'll I'll waste half a day watching it. Not half a day, but half a work day. Um, yeah. Like I said, I'm... I guess I'm leaning more towards it still was a shit movie. So, what'd you think, Nick? I liked it. Really? <laughs> um, it was so much better than that original cut, but you it's still... still it's, it's still a turd, no matter how you polish it. You can polish a turd. It, they look awesome. Have you ever seen a polished turd? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, yeah, you're right. Um, you you actually get to like Ben Affleck as Batman because he's he actually is a little bit more human in this than he was yes. in the first cut. Yeah, because he's talking yes. to Alfred about how he's not doing it analytically; he's doing it on faith. You know, he doesn't have he only has the message yeah. that something is coming that he's relying on to get everybody together. But Oh, I got one more pro. It doesn't have Henry Cavill's CGI'd lip. CGI'd lip in it. Yeah. That's another pro. Oh, of course, now they're vacuuming upstairs, so we gotta cut this. Um, no, it, it was... It, Okay, it was better than the original. I'm gonna kill them. It was better than the original. And okay, I think that's my cue. So should we call it off? Because they're gonna they're gonna vacuum over this entire episode. <laughs> that sucks. We're just getting into this. Go up there. No, it's okay. It's okay. Everybody knows what this movie was like. Alright, okay. that's cool. Should do the sign out. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, we'll be back next week. Yeah. It's been thanks, Ryan. Guys. Kirk. And Nick. Bye. Yep.